Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebri. And my name is Jessica Tresero. And this week, we watched Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. I was going to do the theme song, and then I realized that I was just going to do the Jaws theme song, and then I was going to do something else, and then I was like, okay, we have this joke in our house where every song is Jurassic Park. How does how does Back to the Future go? Bum, 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 Yes, exactly. And then what does E.T. sound like? What does uh, Indiana Jones sound like? And for some reason, the first thing that always pops in our head is always Jurassic Park. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the classic. It's the classique, as they say. I mean, it's a fantastic score. A fantastic score to a fantastic movie. I don't know. I, I recently, I mean, at least since quarantine started, I did rewatch all of the Jurassic Park movies. So which did was, we. You guys did too? Yeah, actually, we watched them in non-sequential order this weekend. I watched one in Jurassic World last and I watched oh, two and okay. three first, which was very interesting. Uh, two and three are messy. <laughs> two is fucking wild. I also completely forget Vince Vaughn is in Jurassic Park too. Yeah, that's also wild. And like that whole thing is a fucking mess because the first one is like more of a discussion on the ethics of, yes. you know, on ethics and on this. And there's like so much space in between, um, in between moments and like so many parts with no music there's so much that uh that is just kind of like left open and people are smart like we'll we'll get into all of that but Ju- then Jurassic Park 2 is just Jurassic World in my exactly. opinion exactly well, whereas and, Jurassic uh, Park's a film these are movies yes and <laughs> Michael Crichton so the person that wrote Jurassic Park was a yeah. um he developed the screen uh the screenplay for Jurassic Park he has not done that for anything since then so I'm sure that that also has a big part to do with it because like yeah. this first one is like asking these big questions and talking about ethics and doing all of this. And it's like this giant capitalist Hammond. Yeah. Essentially, he becomes a socialist, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. And why there... Jurassic World makes no sense. Yeah. Jurassic World, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it, but to me is canonically bad. I think it's a bad movie. With uh, it's uh, just, bad I mean, characters and bad just, tropes. Yeah, we're we'll dig Toxic. in, but it's just a big commercial, which is you know it is what it is. Which it's so funny because one of the big messages for it is like uh, that they try to say is like, oh well, corporate sponsorship is like so silly, yeah. and then like the whole thing is like a Mazda commercial. <laughs> it's all Mercedes. It's all Mercedes. Mercedes like yes. constant. <laughs> And that I, that was that's one of my big points that I want to get into in when we get to Jurassic World. But yeah, it's like you can't you can't have both. You can't mm-hmm. both be a product placement film and then comment on product placement being a bad or lascivious thing. Like no, stop. Yeah, that's, and like Jurassic Park was you know there were only what was it? There was fifteen minutes of footage with dinosaurs, actual dinosaurs in the movie. Out of that entire two-hour, seven-minute film, only 15 minutes are with dinosaurs. The rest is all people and suspense and all of that, where I feel like that is absolutely reversed in every other film but this one. Yeah, it's it tends to... Like, the films tend to become a 
parade of prop and uh, 3D or like special effects. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is like, oh, let's sh- let's let's try to outdo ourselves. Where it's like, well, the story is secondary. Let's see how many dinosaurs we can get and how cool we can make them look. Because I mean, the stories for the most part, like the second one, bad. The third one, also not great, but I think a little bit better. I think and a little bit better. It's, but... it's a little bit better, yeah. But then then Jurassic World is like, wait, what? Why? Uh, and then I never, I haven't seen. Uh, the sequel to the Oh my world god, me too. Series. That's the one that I didn't watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I still haven't. I was just, I mean, especially after seeing the first one, I was just like, I don't know if I need to. I'm like, what else do you need to say here? Like, it's wild because, like, I remember watching the like Jurassic World initially when it first came out, and I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. Like, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, I, I had not gone back and watched Jurassic Park in a long time, and I didn't realize you know, how far away it had strayed from that initial, which like that happens all the time. And sometimes it's for the better, Fast and the yeah. Furious, what's up? But um, this was uh, this was a bad departure in it every was. way. Yeah. Do you want to jump in? Yes, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. The time, 1993. The place, Isla Nubar, the industrial capitalist who clones dinosaurs from a sample of petrified mosquito blood to open an amusement park where guests can walk amongst the prehistoric John Hammond. In an attempt to ease pressure from the public prior to the opening of his age-defying park, Hammond sets up a tour of the soon-to-be travel destination for surrogates in the world of finance, ethics, and paleontological history. Donald Gennaro, a lawyer and financier surrogate, Ian Malcolm, a mathematician and chaos theorist with a penchant for ethical reasoning, paleontologist Alan Grant, and paleobotanist Ellie Sattler, who are both present to validate historic and scientific achievement of dino cloning. Accompanied by Hammond's grandchildren, Lex and Tim Murphy, the group sets out on their tour of this show-stopping achievement. What's this? Disgruntled and underpaid employee and lead coder Dennis Nedry is bribed to smuggle dino DNA samples out of the lab for a rival enterprise and in the process has to shut off the entire power to the park and now the dinosaurs are free to roam and wreak havoc? (gasps) You know it. While Alan chaperones Lex and Tim through the Jurassic Gauntlet, Ellie, John, and Ian are trying to fix the power. Tim gets zapped, Ian gets rocked, The T-Rex is raging, but yay, power's back on. After several scenes of exhausting and emotionally stressful chase sequences, help arrives and life, uh, finds a way. (laughs) (laughs) So. That was so cute. I thank you. I loved it. I, this, okay. So first and foremost, uh, this is probably, I don't know how many times I've seen Jurassic Park, but in the last year, this is my second time watching this movie. I love this movie. I think Jurassic Park not only holds up but i feel like every time i watch it it gets better yeah i at first when we decided to watch this I was like, oh cool this is gonna be rad not like realizing i because i hadn't seen it in a minute it is just such a well-crafted film and yes. it has like each of its characters i mean except for the kids are interesting and have like i mean the kids even are interesting in their own right like because they have something to say about trauma right yeah um but like Hammond and Malcolm and Grant and Ellie are just so fascinating and though like even though there's only two women in this film right the Lex and Ellie they are both incredibly capable Um, they they 
they harp on Lex a lot for being a vegetarian, which I want to get into. But yeah. um, the way that Ellie is treated, uh, Dr. Ellie, by the way, yeah. um, they always say Dr. Grant. And I don't think they said Dr. Ellie enough or, you know, like Dr. Yeah, because there were there were a lot of doctors in this and in the second one. So I like I mean, not to erase them, but they're also fictional characters. So I did leave the doctor out of it. Yeah, because oh, I, no, no. I also I also <laughs> did notice that it's never like. They they say Doctor Grant, but they hardly say Doctor. What is her last name? What did um, I just say? I, we just said it earlier, but yes. But yeah, she's uh she's so great, and she's also like ne- her abilities in this film are never questioned by men. Like not once. Like even when she's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go fucking find these people, right? Like nobody looks at like Hammond is the one that says like, oh well, maybe I should um maybe I should be the one to go because, you know, and she looks at him and says, we'll talk sexism in survival situations when I get back. Like, yeah, she, like, like, fucking calls that out immediately. And um, and I, I don't know what the um, hunter guy's name is, but, like, he was just like, yeah, absolutely, let's go. Let's get this done, you know? Like, yeah. But at every point, she's allowed to be smart and be good at what she does and to be brave and to, like, and to be just fearless, you know? Like, yeah. hell yeah. I... I love her well, character. On top, well, on top of that, the talk of like femaleness in this movie, I thought was really fascinating and cool. Just the conversation about like how all the dinosaurs are female and therefore they can't reproduce. He's like, no, no, no. That's not how nature works. You don't have, you have literally no idea what's happening. Like they think they can control this all female species, but in fact they can't. And I think the constant call to like that sort of understanding or assumption that like, they can't procreate or it can't happen um was really interesting when the like the 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 chaos theory scientist ethic guy is like no 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 you don't understand the how capable nature can be mm-hmm. like you're really underestimating this here well and when you think about the dinosaurs themselves right like i had never really like thought about i was like okay they're all female or whatever like that's fine yeah but like i never really realized that this film like when you when you think about they are all women right and they are women as a means of control right where this is movie like kind of about uh reproductive rights and controlling women's bodies out of fear i mean right and then you're like oh shit okay we're gonna go We're going to go down to this. All right, (laughs) cool. And like they like there's literally drugs to keep them like to keep them dependent on them. Right. Like there's this one line. I think it's Malcolm that says, if you control their sex, why not? Why can't you change their teeth or their food cravings and things like that? Like why go through all this trouble to control women? You know, and to make this women that you are dominating when, like, you could have changed anything. You could have made them less vicious. You could have made them all herbivores, you know. And this is all like, oh, well, this is population uh, control. We deny them the male chromosome is what is, like, the exact words that they say, right? And then when you take that a step further in here, because, you know, again, we know that these are all women, uh, all all female dinosaurs, right? Yeah. But they're often misgendered in this film, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, like, yeah. I paused it and I was like, okay, dudes, like, because uh, Danny and Dave were watching it with me. I said, I'm on the lookout for this. I need you to, like, to point it out when they misgender dinosaurs, right? Yeah. So, like, the velociraptors are always referred to as a he, right, for, for the most part throughout this film because they're vicious, because they attack. But then the triceratops is a she because, you know, she is 
she's weak and she is, you know, perceived as like, you know, not at the top of the food chain. Right. And then the T-Rex, even in the big like fuck you scene at the end, is still referred to as a he and the only one that like correctly genders these dinosaurs like uh, at least like you know from what i caught was that hunter guy the the guy that was like in charge of like the raptors where he's like they remember she remembers like he is so cognizant of of them you know yeah i think because to me i feel like the the misgendering wasn't necessarily something that like bothered me only like not to say that it didn't bother me but it wasn't something i necessarily noticed because I feel like oftentimes with like uh, using gender incorrect pronouns, oftentimes it has to do with like the cognizance of being able to recognize that. And since dinosaurs like don't necessarily have that cognizance, it didn't register with me that like these were gendered characters. The only thing that bothered me was the assumption of feminist or maskness in the, Mm -hmm. in in the, the assumption of dinosaur. So if it was like uh, a bigger, slower dinosaur that was, an herbivore and more gentle, she's a she. Right. Or when they're non-vicious, she's a she. But when they're vicious or aggressive or predatory, he's a he. And so it's, and I mean, it's right. just, again, it's in the same sort of assumed silly binary of male, female. It's taking that a step further and assigning that with nature. And I know, and I know some languages already do that with like, we're like, oh, this washing machine's a boy, but right. this trash can's a girl. And you're like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> like, right. why why are we doing this, guys? <laughs> like, what's the need? And There's I no think, need. <laughs> like, the reason why, like, I... Because they make such a fucking big deal about everybody... Like, all of the dinosaurs here are female. They are all female. Yes. They are all female. They are incapable. They can't do this. You know, we control yeah. them. We do this, right? Because, like, that is such an important piece of the crux of this entire story and this entire island. Yeah. Like, I think that's why, to me, like, you know, when I'm reading into that and, like, kind of, like, analyzing it in the way that we do. Uh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. that is, like, to me, that's that's important and that's paramount because this is still even doctors and, you know, like, yeah. and people that know better misgendering these, these dinosaurs, showing that they, like, also even more a level of they just don't respect what they made which kind of like you know goes into like a larger narrative right it's like an it's an intentional misunderstanding of this thing they claim to understand so well or this idea and this this creation that they that they claim to have such control over and such a such an understanding of even then there's still a uh, an ignorance that they that they don't perceive that isn't necessarily even addressed yeah and i mean like Because, like, when you think about, like, this whole thing, too, like, they're like, oh, we were so careful, we were so careful, but they didn't even, like, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with, like, the park, right, and park safety and all of that, right? Oh, yeah. But, like, even from, like, a fundamental, like, building block of this whole thing, they didn't realize, oh, some reptiles can change sex, you know, or, you know, like, they didn't even do that much research into it because they were so excited at the possibility of being able to do this it's really telling that that's what happened with their creations and of course that's how they're going to you know run the park and all of that too well that that was my favorite thing that i never noticed initially was the conversation of ethics and capitalism that is at the core of this movie it's the conversation of like just because you can doesn't mean you should and if you're doing it 
like if it's under the umbrella of this is for capital and for capital gain, it's ethically bad. Like mm-hmm. capitalism is ethically incorrect. Uh, with um, what's his name? I wrote down that like, he his whole monologue, um, that scene where they're having lunch. Malcolm. Malcolm. Oh yeah, when, I wrote this down too. Yeah, can I read it? Yeah. So yeah, they're having a whole conversation about ethics and capitalism, and then also like colonization is a part mm-hmm. of the conversation too here where he's like, don't you see the danger, John, inherent in what you're doing here? Genetic powers, the mo- uh, genetic power is the most awesome force the planets have ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power you're using here. It didn't require any discipline to attain it. You read what others had done and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourself, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You sit on the shoulders of geniuses to accomplish something as fast as you could before you even knew what you had. You patented it, patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and and now you're selling it you're going to sell it your scientists were so preoccupied whether or not they could do this they didn't stop to think if they should and then he's like how can you stand in the light of discovery and not act and he's like what's so great about discovery uh, uh, what's so great about discovery it's a it's a violent penetrative act that scars what it explores what you call discovery i call the rape of the natural world and you're like oh fuck that's so sick and it's so i mean it's so true it's it's this conversation about just because you can doesn't mean you should and on top of that it's like colonizing mentality he's like what you call discovery is the destruction and pillaging of an entire different thing that you know literally nothing about yeah and what and and the reason you're doing it is to be like i did it first and also to get rich so you're a piece of shit <laughs> is what he's saying. Yeah, which is gorgeous. exactly. Yeah. And I love that like all three doctors sit there and just fucking dunk on Hammond, right? It's great. Like and oh. like they are all just yes anding without like without stroking egos, without whatever. Like even like Ellie looks at him and he's and you know, he's like, Not even you, not even like, you know, a two Brutus, right? And she's like, yeah. You created an ecosystem with things we don't even know how they react together. They picked plants that look pretty uh wait, you picked plants that look pretty, but they're poisonous, and these will defend themselves violently if necessary, you know. She's yeah. like straight up calling him out and then when he has his like pity party with like eight tubs of ice cream in front of him right she like straight calls him out and she's um you can't think uh you can't through this you need to feel it and he's like you're right less automation creation is this will be perfect blah blah like he's still trying to spin this like he's the good guy and she's like no you were never in control this was an illusion and people are dying something's wrong like this is not okay you know and she she never lets sexism she never lets ethics she never lets any of these men dominate her in a way that most other films would allow her to to be you know so it's just to me like that scene was like just fucking incredible and then yeah just malcolm this this guy that like you perceive is going to be like just a pile of shit right you know he's introduced as like this pseudo rock star and he's even called a rock star because of his ethical and theoretical meandering, the way he mm-hmm. talks, like everything can and cannot at the same time. And he's like, who the fuck is this rock star? <laughs> like, who is this person? I'm always on the lookout for a future Mrs. Mal- or a future oh, ex and- Mrs. Malcolm. And I was like, oh. oh my God, right? But like, even like in this moment, like he has the most, like that's like easily the best monologue in this entire movie. Incredible. And I- I love it. And even even though he's a piece of shit, when he hits on Ellie or whatever, right? And then he finds out, like, and that was, like, creepy, right? But then he yeah. finds out, like, oh, you guys are together. 
okay, cool, right? And Grant isn't pissed off about it. I mean, he was, like, uncomfortable, but he's like, I mean, yeah, she's my girl, like, you know, and he's like, oh, okay. But there's no, like, toxic, like, what the blah, 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 you know? Like, yeah. they had all these moments that they could have done something really shitty to cheapen these characters and to cheapen their motivations, and they didn't, you know? Yeah. And I think that strengthened their, uh, that strengthened this moment and moments like these in this film, you know, when they're just like, you know, you created this. You don't know what you did. You're like a child with a gun that's just doing this. And Hammond's that, like, Ugh. that line was so good. Oh, yeah, and that scene is one of. I think that's one of my favorite scenes in like in just all of cinema. It's also one of the ones that I never paid attention to that much. And then rewatching it this time, I was like, this is incredible. The way he's just like, because he's so he's so excited to see the island and he's like yeah fucking take me on this journey like this is incredible how'd you do it and then as soon as Hammond's starting to tell him how he did it he's like okay this is a little fucked up and then he's like tell me more I want to know more give me more information before I like make this choice and at the end he's like what do you think he's like I think you're a fucking monster I think you're a capitalist piece of shit and I think what you're doing here is <laughs> a gross miscarry of like natural the natural order and natural justice like you fucking suck and I think you're an evil person <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh yes. Um, I wanted to, so that scene where Hammond is having his own little like pity party with the tubs mm-hmm. of ice cream. Rewatching that, like from a visual perspective, that one shot of Laura Dern sitting down at the table, there is so much visually there that I want to go over that I think is just like what a chef's kiss of like visuals in a movie. Like, so they're sitting at two opposite ends of the table. He is basked in a gold light that's only shining on him at his end of the table. And at his end of the table, he has way too many tubs of ice cream. She's sitting in sort of the cooler light, the cooler light that is in the entirety of the rest of the room. So she is, and there's nothing in front of her and they're at odds. So you have this juxtaposition. So she is of the world, of this like framed in light that is like, this is what the rest of the world is. He is in his own sort of greed-driven ignorance capitalist like he's in his own world here and he's like this rich industrialist asshole and we're framing them in the same way and on top of that she's sitting visually between two skeletons like dinosaur fossils the pillars frame her perfectly which is sort of a conversation of between like well it's sort of like a representation of famine like like he has everything and they have nothing just to further emphasize his greed and his his character as this industrialist capitalist type uh Mm -hmm. tycoon almost and it's just like a really small thing but i feel like it's just like it's so good it's so nice and like especially when they have that conversation like she sits down and he's still trying to theorize how to fix it so he can look good like i know this looks bad but how can i fix it to make sure that it works so i still get what i want Mm mm-hmm you know what I mean? Like, as yeah, sad as he is that people are dying, he's still just like, I don't necessarily care about that, even though that is sad. I still want this. This is more important to me. It's also um, so interesting because, like, Hammond himself is just this controlling capitalist that's trying to play God, right? And yeah. he's, like, always used money to get what he wants and expects everybody else to let him and to be excited for him and to just jump on board and he's never been told no kind of thing, right? Also colonialist because he builds Jurassic Park in Costa Rica, right? Yeah. Like he white colonialist, fucking cool. Not cool. But the investors, like, you know, are concerned and like he laughs in their face, right? The investors are represented by the lawyer person. He literally laughs in their face. He's like, oh, whatever. But then 
like he doesn't pity Dennis, right? He's like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You got to get yourself out. I have no pity for you, right? And he, he says this line to Dennis that's, I don't blame people for their mistakes, but I ask people to pay for them, which is such a good line for that character to show oh, that yeah. character and that their motivations and how detached they are from the world, right? But like also such like, because it's also the most hypocritical thing that he can say because yeah. he controls people and all he's doing is all of this is for his ego because he wants love and praise, you know? He frames this as his gift to the world when it's just this show of his huge fucking ego because he could have used this technology to, you know, to save endangered species and stuff like that right but he says if i were to create an endangered species nobody would care um oh the condor yeah yeah and then he's like oh well this isn't for the super rich everybody should be able to come here nobody like who the fuck like it's only middle and upper class people are going to be able to afford to go to fucking costa rica to like you know play dinosaur and then like he's like i wanted something tangible and not devoid of merit because he he has that monologue when he's eating that ice cream talking about how everything is illusion right everything that he's built is illusion and he's like no this is tangible because this is here i have spared no expense but all he thought about was the end goal and not anything in between clearly right and he didn't even he's not the one that is in the lab creating the dinosaurs he's literally he has to be there like when each egg hatches because he wants these dinosaurs to imprint on him but then he never fucking sees them right he never does anything he's just like look at me know me know i am your god i am your daddy and then go right he's like he's like a combination of christopher columbus and walt disney yes exactly and he like he also like walt disney is a great example because uh walt and uh disney in general like the larger corporation control the narrative surrounding their figures like yeah yeah. to an incredible extent right and in that same way he tries to control the narrative and only show people what he wants them to see you know he frames this as it's a biological preserve he doesn't tell the scientists what they're going to go see when they go right he's just like okay and he fucking bribes them to get there and then yeah, he's oh, yeah. mad when like he's upset when the dinosaurs don't do what he wants right yeah and, which yeah, is yeah. and he's like oh well you know what he like he brushes off a lot of that stuff too like by saying oh well Disney had their own problems when opening, which they famously did. Absolutely. But like, that's not an excuse for you to like, he's like, he keeps saying, I spared no expense. I spared no expense. But he's just saying that to make himself feel better because he didn't actually do anything. But to me, that's what I love about this movie and its sentiment is that like, he keeps saying I spared no expense. But at the end of the day, the conversation in question isn't necessarily about capital. It's not about money. It's about ethics. It's about mm-hmm. what is inherently good and bad and what is right and wrong. Not to say that there is a nuance within that and that good and bad isn't necessarily a binary like we've discussed previously, but ethics is so nuanced and he doesn't consider ethics at all at any point. But to reiterate its big air quotes, goodness under capitalism, he keeps saying, I spared no expense, meaning the more money I put in, the better it's going to be, money equaling goodness. Mm-hmm. And more of it means more goodness, but that's that's never going to be the case. And I but like with the that money, this there's movie is... not intent. You know, there's yeah, no and there's, intent behind it. And that's exactly yeah. Yeah. Which which is what I I mean I love about this movie. The more I the more I think about it, the more I see it, the more I'm like, this is incredible. And like the representation of what's his name? Gennaro, Donald Gennaro. 
the lawyer who represents and uh, is sort of the finance surrogate for the rich donors and the people who have uh, financed this park or have helped finance this park, his only vested interest, obviously, are the people he represents and the people he represents aren't people, they're money, right? And so he represents an ethicless, capitalist uh, mindset. And I like how it gets him killed immediately. Oh, absolutely. Him being the first one dead. And like the, like the intent of this movie trying to be like, this is bad. Money is bad. Capitalism is bad. That's what this is. That's the evil here. The dinosaurs aren't the bad thing. The T-Rex isn't bad. The Velociraptors aren't bad. Money, greed, ego and capitalism those are the evils of the world and they will ruin anything like he's in the cars with the kids and he's sitting there and as soon as there's one wince of the t-rex coming out he abandons them he doesn't even consider them he doesn't consider anybody or anything it's just this selfish ego driven how am i going to survive i don't give a shit about any of them because Mm -hmm. i'm the most important person this individual individualistic mindset that is so rampant under capitalism and it gets him killed i mean he runs to the bathroom to hide and he's the first one who gets chomped and i'm like yeah this movie's painting a very (laughs) clear picture about what is and is not good and the Uh, only reason that hammond like even Hammond should have died, but the only reason he is allowed to live is because at the end he's like, yes, we need to close this. This is not okay. And like in, uh, I know we're not discussing the other movies, but he becomes a socialist. He's called out like immediately for being a socialist and, you know, and he loses control of his company and everything because of it. Yeah. So he like, he was radically changed by this experience and it literally took his life and the life of his, his grandkids being in danger in order for him to understand what is actually tangible and what actually has merit which is so even more ironic right because he's had those things all along yeah 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 but he's he's so blinded by the greed and the mindset of capitalism that he can't see that and it takes this travesty to show him that these things are bad and what he's done is not a good thing i yeah i noticed that too like now that you bring that up in the second one where he's kind of like people have denounced him and he's kind of like whatever and he's like yeah it's a bad idea don't go back there you shouldn't try to reopen it you shouldn't do this please stay away from me <laughs> um i also love the line when uh, alan gets in the truck and he's like after careful consideration i decided yeah. <laughs> not not to uh sponsor what did he say sponsor or um, what is uh, the word? endorse endorse i've decided not to endorse jurassic park he's like neither have i <laughs> yeah he's and like drive off nope i'm done <laughs> like good I, oh my god and then um air pointed this out i guess i hadn't noticed this but like the foreshadowing of the seatbelt when the helicopter is landing and how he has two female ends and he can't buckle his seatbelt because it's two female pieces oh. uh and then in order to buckle it he just ties it which is essentially life finding a way Wow, I did. God, like, there's right so up, much intent right, in this movie. Right off, I know. Right off the bat, it's showing him like, oh, that's not going to work. Everyone thinks it's not going to work. And then he ties it. And they're like, oh, okay, good. And then later you're talking about it's all female dinosaurs. And then they find eggs. And they're procreating. Like, it is happening, which is the big line of life finds. Like, it's it, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Right? And it's so good because it lets you, like, it has these big moments. And then there's like. Yeah moments of like suspense and silence and just like the pacing of it is just so great because it lets you take in what was said and then move move forward from there but it's not just like boom 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 and that's the other ones are and that's the thing too like with this movie it's so well done because it's well written what needs to be said is said everything else is shown 
like mm-hmm. like a like a really good movie it's showing and not telling us like what we need to know it will tell us but other than that we'll see it play out visually which is mm-hmm. the important the, why a movie kind of exists it's a visual <laughs> narrative like they're showing us this story and we're following it and that's sort of the art and craft of filmmaking and i think that this is such an impeccable version of of what that is because i mean i as we're going to discuss about jurassic world it's the exact fucking opposite (laughs) where it says way more than it needs to and shows literally nothing and it's still confusing and you're like and like a lot of the beats are the same they tried to make them the same and tried to make it just like updated but yeah they did it without intent so like so let's talk about the kids for instance right so both movies have children I don't know why the second one or why world has children doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But the kids are there to show trauma and what that looks like at working through that. Right. And they're also there to add motivation for Hammond to see this as an actual fucking problem because he doesn't care. People are dying in his part. Yeah. Right. In the next one, the kids are there to show trauma of daddy being an asshole and mommy and daddy are getting divorced right and then it's like okay and the way okay we'll get into that later but um (laughs) there's so much shame in like existing and in like their responses to trauma like where the kid just like looks up at grant and is like i threw up uh i'm i'm not going to be able to do this you know like just like these things that they literally can't control because they are scared or because, you know, they don't, they don't, they were just abandoned, like, and left for dead with this fucking T-Rex, you know, and yeah. um, by somebody who's supposed to have their better interests in mind, right? Because he's their, he's connected to their grandfather, right? And so, like, I threw up and just that shame and that embarrassment, you know, at, like, crying or at, like, feeling something and Grant being like, it's okay. Like, I... That was really well done. Oh, I incre- like literally any moment with those kids is is sort of like this wonderful moment that is a commentary on sort of the loss of innocence and shame. And like when um, when Lex is so shaken by what's happened and she keeps just saying he left us, he left mm-hmm. us like Gennaro just got out of the car and left them and he represents capitalism. And so it's them coming of age under the under capital and like them finding adulthood and sort of the loss of innocence of the process of entering a world that is capitalist and, Mm -hmm. and seeing all of these things that like you don't necessarily register, but are traumatic in that moment, their life doesn't matter in this idea of capitalism. Their life is irrelevant and they're realizing that. And it's like, fuck, it's so heavy. We're not we're not going to get saved and it's all because of their grandpa putting them in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. But then then seeing it all play out and seeing trauma happen to them and them navigating that. And then I mean obviously seeing them grow and get stronger like not because of it, not to say that like that's what needs to happen, but watching them navigate it and still in the end being who they are. Like mm-hmm. they're not ethically changed. Which would have been so sad and frustrating is if at the end of the movie, because of these traumatic experiences, they are like hardened or bad in some capacity. I would have hated like, that. Yeah. Because how many movies do that, right? Like, especially like where it's now. Like, oh, I've seen shit now, and it's like, shut the fuck. That's so yeah. boring. I'm That's an not adult the point. now. Like, yeah, yeah. But in this, like, these kids are going through this crazy traumatic stuff, and it's really just them recognizing that the system's fucked. They are not changing their ethics or who they are, even though they are still learning, just like we all are. But they are just recognizing that the system will fail them at every 
point at every mm-hmm. turn, no matter what. What and and again too, whenever they think they're safe, whenever they feel any moment of like rest or calm, it's immediately interrupted by a reminder that the system fucking sucks and that is these dinosaurs who keep just showing up like like even in the moment where they think they're safe, they're in the dining hall and they see this oh my God. huge spread of gorgeous desserts, which as a kid and even now, Hell oh my yeah. God, I want to eat all of it. It looks so good. It's crazy. And even the shaving cream looked so yummy. <laughs> like, whoa. Um, it just looks so appetizing. But even in that moment, like when they think they're good and they're safe, it's just no, nowhere you go is safe here <laughs> because of this sort of ethically non-existent facility like you you your your life doesn't matter here and we're going to remind you of that every time because the only thing that matters here is money and capital and it's it's reinstilled every time with hammond saying spare no expense spare no expense spare no expense money is the only thing that matters here and that's the only reason this place exists and so seeing that with these kids every time it's just so it's so good it's so good and the only way that they're actually able to like save themselves right is yeah which i love that she's a hacker I love that. Right? Oh, because, amazing. Like as a young girl, be like, you know, doing that, like women in STEM. Fuck yeah. Right. So she is what, like seven, 10. I don't, I don't know. I think, I'm, I think she's like 10 or 11. Okay, I think 10. he's like, like, I think he's like closer to seven, seven or eight. I feel like she's okay, in. That makes sense. Like, I'm bad may, at kids ages. Actually, maybe she's like 12 or 13. I'm not sure. Regardless, she's, she's very young and. She's young. Yeah. yeah. She learns how to game this system. And how to at least make them safe enough to where they can recollect themselves and figure out a way out. And so her being resourceful and literally finding loopholes in order to like, you know, exist and in order to provide some sort of safety for herself, you know, and for the people that she loves. That's the only reason that they're able to get a moment of reprieve from this even more traumatized like okay that for real that raptor attack scared the shit out of me as a oh, the kid ki- the kitchen scene? holy shit that scared the, ki- the shit out of the me. kitchen sequence is so fucking good oh it's crazy God. like i seriously will never forget the first time seeing like the raptor running down the hallway and you see her trying to close the door and then he slams onto the counter because it's a reflection that whole i was just like there's no this is Oh yeah, this god. is it. Oh my god. This is so fun. <laughs> or when they're climbing in the rafters and like the raptor head pushes her up through the panel mm-hmm. and then she falls and is hanging and it's like that perfect angle down shot of the raptor falling, her trying to get back up and then perfectly jumping through and biting right as her foot disappears. Incredible. So yeah. good. So, Iconic. So great. Yeah. And then like even fucking right at the end too when it's like the T-Rex in the main hall. And the T-Rex roars and that banner falls down and it says, when dinosaurs roam the earth or whatever. It's just like so beautifully cinematic and gorgeous and like so cool. So well done. And like Laura Dern is so iconic and so cool. Also the fashion, like everything about this movie, like I know it's so early 90s aesthetically, like the Jeeps and the goggles and the fucking everything. But, ugh gorgeous did you love those lawyer legs in the helicopter amazing all of the short shorts shorts? i didn't realize lawyers had shorts like i know and i was like i have a big in all caps note here in my notes uh ask eric what he thought about those lawyer legs well so (laughs) i i did not have a crush on the lawyer at all i did not like i mean 
not only physically did I just like I wasn't crushing, but um, also capitalism and yeah. ethically, I was just like, oh, you're ethically. you're gross. Ethically, I can't say he's hot. Um, who I was crushing on in this in a very big way, uh, Alan, one hundred percent. Surprisingly, not Malcolm. Canonically hot in this, Malcolm. I was not crushing on him, but also. Lord Dern looks so fucking good in this movie. I was Are crushing you kidding on her. Me? She's so hot. It's silly. And such she... a fucking good actor. And also Incredible. to just see her be a badass and just dunk on all of these men. Like there's this moment where she like lady explains what's happening to this, the Triceratops to that like vet dude. Right. He's like, oh, well, you know, and she's like, okay, well, this and this and this and this and this. Uh, her eyes are dilated. Did you see this? And he's like, oh, what they are. And she's like, okay. And she's literally willing to get in the shit to like, you know, figure out what's going on with. And they and mock her like, for it. Girl. And they they Girl. mark her for it. They're like, I hope you're gonna wash your hands. Like, yeah, no shit. And she doesn't like, even she doesn't pay attention. She, she doesn't, doesn't entertain them. She's just like and- she. So she's also. I like that she is the opposite of damseled in this. Like most movies will do with like the main female lead, where oftentimes there is only one. Mm-hmm. Um, where Hammond and oh my god, I keep forgetting his name. The the. Malcolm, my God, I look, my brain is (laughs) not great. Um, Where they're like trapped and she's like, I'm going to go turn on the power. Like, it's going to be us. Like, what are you guys going to do? Nothing. Okay, just stay here then. Like, we'll take care of it. And then she's the one who turns on the power. She's the one who's constantly like, she's the one doing it really uh, the whole time. Whereas Hammond, who is useless can't read blueprints <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah he can't he can't do anything he he is so inept he is so incapable the only thing he has is capital mm-hmm. again which is such a such a fun story when it comes down to it a lot of these capitalists have no actual skills the only big air quote skill they have is money and that's not a skill that's a thing that's wealth and wealth or the people that are after yeah. capital they die yeah. too, right? So like Dennis, yeah. the reason that he dies and the reason that this whole thing happens is because he lost money probably on some bet. They don't go into it, right? But it's implied that his money troubles are his own because we know that everybody is paid pretty well there at least, at least especially because he's a programmer, right? But he's like, yeah. oh no, oh, yeah. I'm worth more, right? And he's willing to let everybody die and fuck everybody over for just, more money. To, just for more money. For yeah, more money. and like, He's such, like, a caricature, like, every capitalist, like, except for Hammond, and I think because he, like, eventually, like, goes to, like, being, like, he's a little bit more nuanced, at least. Um, Yeah. But, like, the lawyer and Dennis are just so incredibly, like, they're just such big caricatures, and I love it. (laughs) Yeah, same. I think, I mean, I think it's, I guess I completely forget about Nedry, and then it's like, yeah, no, that's, I mean... It's Hammond, but it's also him. He's the one who shuts off the power to get out, and he doesn't care about anybody's safety because he wants more money. And he like the whole deal is is that this rival company is trying to open up a similar enterprise, but they just don't have the genes to clone. So he's mm-hmm. gonna give them that for some insane amount of money. So again, it's disregarding ethics for capital, which is the whole. It's the whole like I, I, like I feel like every iteration of story in this, whether it's a main plot or a subplot, comes back around to the concept of like ethics versus capital like whether it's a conversation about gender or feminist it's oftentimes ethics versus capital or 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 uh control versus 
versus marginalization. Like it's it's so it's so good. And also it's, like the chaos that exists within all of that too, all you of know, it. because yeah. they couldn't have predicted this uh this giant ass storm and it's so great that they have like a chaos theorist or a chaostician, right? That it's yeah. like at every point he's it's just like yeah, I mean, anything that can happen will happen. And, you know, you can think you're in control, but there are always going to be external forces outside of you and outside of, you know, everything else. Like, money is fake. And, and money will uh, never be able to control that. Fake, you yeah. know? The more that I think about, like, about that, the more impressive this movie gets, like, on, on every level. I love this movie. Same. I don't know if I have anything else to say other than just how how much I love this movie. How cool it is. Yeah. No, I'm I mean honestly, I'm good. The time 2015. The place Isla Nubar, the industrial capitalist who attempts to reopen Jurassic Park with new branding, new dinosaurs and a whole new set of problems, Simon Misrani. Claire Deering, the park manager, is getting ready to unveil the latest attraction, a highly deadly and cellularly manufactured Indominus. On the same weekend, her sister has planned for her two nephews to visit. Talk about a jam! Meanwhile, ethnologist and velociraptor trainer Owen Grady is shown the new exhibit, but to his dismay, the super monster is nowhere to be found. JK, it tricks them and escapes from its enclosure and is now on a killing spree through the park. But where are the nephews? What's this? Disgruntled and sinister military enthusiast Vic Hoskins uses this escape to his advantage by militarizing the trained velociraptors into an impromptu dress rehearsal for buyers interested in the militarization of dinosaurs? And Mizrani is exacerbating the crisis by downplaying its severity? And more people are dying? Jesus. Now it's a Call of Duty type military <laughs> hunt. The park goers are attacked by a phlebotomy of pterodactyls and a big bad T-Rex comes to save the day. Talk about a cameo. The nephews are safe. A romance is sparked and life uh, continues to find a way. Okay. I forgot to talk about this in the last one. So the pressure to have children. Let's start is there. Wild. Because it, yeah. in the last one, it was like, Laura Dern was like, hey, you should like kids. And then like Grant was like, uh, no, thanks. Kids aren't for me. And then he like kind of like terrifies this like shitty kid. And then the next thing you know, he's kind of like forced into a fatherly role and yes. he's good at it. And then all of a sudden, like he wants to be a daddy and he's more attractive because he's a daddy. Right. So in this one. Uh, well, I also do want to say that visually they do escape what would be considered capitalism as a pseudo nuclear family a son a daughter a husband and wife oh, <laughs> what like ah! they, like obviously they're not and these aren't their kids and they're not together or like ish well, they are together never mind but they're you know they're not having kids yeah but in order to escape this landscape they're visualized as the nuclear family so in order to escape they have to be this group what is visualized as this group? I, yeah, that was something I didn't bring up also, but like, whoa, I love that as a whole thing. But yes, and this one, same. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So this one, there's this whole gross ass romance that we'll finally get into at some point. But the pressure that Claire is getting from her sister to like 
she literally says, so you don't want kids? I understand mom now. Like, come be miserable. Like, she's literally talking about, like, she's getting divorced and crying and just like, you don't want this? But it's so, like, you know, I'm I'm like mom now and mom was great and you should want this. And she's like, uh, no? No thanks? Claire is just... Claire is a fucking mess, and she did not need to be in this movie because she doesn't get any credit for anything. Also, there's two women in this film. There is... uh, There's really one woman in this film, and then there's two that have, like, a minute of screen time. Um, One of them being uh, in the control room that is just there to uh, reject a dude. And then the other one, literally just to be eaten. Like, yeah. that's that's it. Like, so, okay, cool. But Claire, there's fucking nothing to her. She is a busy businesswoman that literally doesn't care and literally ha- just does what she's told to do even at the end. Like, even at the yeah. end, she looks at Owen and she's just like, so what are we going to do? Make up your own fucking story. Make up your own life. Like, what the fuck? What's annoying to me is they, like, tried to girl boss her without being feminist a little bit, where it's like, she still needs to rely on these other people. She's powerful but useless in almost every capacity. But she's hot and can sort of front as an authority figure. But we're not going to make her capable at all. <laughs> like, like exactly what they did to Laura Dern, they're going to do the opposite to um, yes. her, <laughs> which and, like, is they, so they frustrating. Out of their way to show that she is bad at being a woman, at being caring, at being a sister, at being an aunt. Like, all, almost all of well, the notes that I have for her are, der- are not derogatory, but they're like, they're framed negatively. Like, she doesn't understand that she, missed time with the kids is a bad way to show affection. She doesn't understand, even though she works at this fucking part, she doesn't think that dinosaurs are smart. She is just like, oh, well, they're my assistant. They're British. They invented nannies. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what it's, the fuck are you doing? She, yeah. she's So she's bad at being a woman. She's bad at family. She's bad at uh, familial relationships. She's bad at connections. And all of that is to say that, like, she's bad at these things because she's good and rigid at her job. And she's capable and can do that. No. This movie also paints her bad at her job. And yes. bad in emergency circumstances. And bad at communicating. And bad at explaining she's bad at literally everything this movie makes sure to say like this person is shit (laughs) this person is not good but that like why what's the point other than to just say she is an incapable person like why is she here and like the only time that like the only time that she really does something good is when she saves the kids, right? When when they finally reunite or whatever and she like hits yeah. the Velocir- whatever, right? That whole thing was dumb. But in that moment, like she's the one that saves them. They don't know Owen yet. They don't see him. They watch her defend them and then Owen shows up and they're like, ooh, can we stay with you? The guy, right? Not the woman that literally just saved them and helped them and everything, right? They didn't see him do fucking anything and they're just like drawn to this guy because let's talk about toxic masculinity in this well, movie she, because she, she literally, literally only exists in this movie for him She's, literally. she only exists to be a love interest and in moments to make him look intelligent and capable and authoritarian that's her only role here is to make him look this way 
Because even kids, the kids, and again, the kids why are, are like. Why are the kids even there? The kids don't need to be in this fucking movie. They're literally there, like, to, everybody is here to make Owen look good. And like, when they're in the he's, car. It, oh. he's, he's literally the alpha male of the Raptors. I'm going to Like, throw that up. is so gross. So I just want to say, how does, like, that's verbatim a fucking, that is a direct quote from the fucking movie. The kids are oh, like. Oh, yeah, they have to explicitly oh. say this. The, the the raptor he's going through the raptor's names like oh this is so 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 this is blue this is alpha this is echo also i'm like gross uh and then they're like oh yeah they're betas and they're, the kids are like who's the alpha and he says you're looking at him kid and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm gonna jump you- into a river and i'm gonna swim far <laughs> away from here uh your boyfriend is-, is so cool is like literally oh. the line and like literally again, your boyfriend's a badass they did like, not see uh, him like I'm I'm just I'm not gonna get over it. She's the one that saves the kids and the dude gets the glory yeah, for it. It's and I'm such just a like, bad movie. Ugh, yeah. It's so and, and again, like even the introduction to their what would be romance, right? Is like her failing at everything and then her showing up to his house and him like kind of harassing her to go on a date with him. Oh and my you're just God. like yeah. what's happening here? And then her, like, big, like, ooh, feminism moment is, you smell. And then she, like, has the last word. I'm like, this is the stupidest fucking script I've ever, like, this is so incomparably bad. She goes up to him and she's like, hey, I need you as a consultant on something. And he's like, you want to consult in my bungalow? And she, like, literally says, no, that's not funny. And he's like, actually, it was kind of funny. That's how that conversation starts. And it just keeps going down that. And he's like making fun of her because she is organized. Like at the very least, she's organized and she is this and she is that. And those are supposed to be negative things, right? Because she can't just bone in his bungalow, you know, and I'm just like, wow, this is so bad. He's so fucking boring. And also, I just want to like go on record and say a big fuck you to Chris Pratt as a person, (laughs) like homophobic, conservative Chris Pratt, like on record he sucks mm-hmm. fuck him um but even this character is like so silly and bad and like oh my god we'll come right back to the toxic masculinity but like the product placement when he's sitting there and he's drinking a perfectly framed coca-cola out uh-huh. of a bottle and he's like this pick what what would be considered picturesque masculine maleness masculinity at as a whole, but in a westernized uh, uh, lens, like this uh-huh. is the American man working on a motorcycle, drinking a Coke, kind of smelly, but hot. Like, it's so just gross. so boring. It like, not only is it just gross, but it's just fucking boring. Like, Jesus, mm-hmm. this isn't interesting or good. And like, yeah. Even it, from the he- very beginning, it's like, it starts off with the dad being condescending to his son because his son is saying goodbye to his girlfriend, right? And he's like, you're going to see her, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Like, and he's like, he is just the most toxic, most disgusting, most gross piece of shit, right? Well, and then that's how we start off. And I was like, oh, cool. This this film wants me to know within the first 30 seconds that it hates women and yeah, what no, this is about. Like, and, cool. Because she's like, I love you. He's like, okay, bye. Yeah. And like, they get in the car. Also, just... What is his moral payoff? He doesn't have one, right? The like, kids, no. He, he remains just this like super shallow 
silly piece of shit. And the only moral payoff for him is like, I think what they were trying to do is be like, oh, he's just like a silly kid who's not. And oh my God, I can't believe that like this is part of the story, but is not a real man, right? Mm -hmm. Like big air quotes, real man. Cause he's like shitty to these girls and he's like flirting with all these chicks. But then the real man Owen shows up and so I guess his moral payoff is like oh that's like a real man that's who Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be who's also shitty to women who's shitty and that's the thing it's not because it's not like I think that's where they wanted his character arc to have the sort of emotional or or or, or, or like uh moral payoff like what he's going to learn by the end of act three it's this it's how to be a big again big air quotes a man but in fact this this version of picturesque masculinity is literally the epitome of toxic masculinity. So what the fuck? Like, again, this movie is just bad. It's poorly written. It also, it it, it just doesn't make sense. It's just bad. I think part of their payoff they were trying to build for him too was like, at the end, there's like this we're brothers moment with him and his little uh, brother who he's yeah. just like, the whole time he's trying to, like, you know, before shit hits the fan or whatever, he's trying to distance himself from his family and from his brother and stuff like that, yeah. right? And he's using, like, he objectifies women as a means of escape because he's in denial about his parents' divorce because he's like, whatever, they're going to be back together. Whatever, this doesn't matter. Whatever, I don't matter. And, like, why show that he has a girlfriend? Why do that? I mean, he already looks like a piece of shit for what he's doing now, you know? Yeah. Like, or how he acts just, like, seeing a pretty girl and kind of flirting and stuff like that. And it's just... Because he's using women as an escape and as a means of, like, you know, in the same way that presumably his dad does and in the same way that Chris Pratt does and in the same way that, like, you know, all of these men in this, uh, even control room guy, I don't know his name, right? The guy that has the Jurassic Park shirt and is like, oh, look, I get people died, but, you know, what they had was real, man. Like, that was such a distasteful line. But also... yeah. He is like, somebody has to stay behind. And he goes to kiss his co-worker. And she, like, moves away. And she's like, no, gross. I have a boyfriend. And he's like, yeah, well, you didn't mention him or anything. And she's like, yeah, because I'm at work. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, oh. Like, that's the only feminist thing that happened in the whole fucking movie was that line where she's like, yeah, I didn't mention my boyfriend because I was at work. <laughs> yes. So... I will say Lauren Lapkus was by far my favorite part She's of this great. movie. I think Lauren Lapkus is incredible. I thought her performance in this was incredible. I also, and to that to that extent, that line was bad and his character was kind of shitty. But Jake Johnson's character was also, like their, their dynamic in that control room were the only parts that I was actually interested in. They, I thought, they have I chemistry that, and they were they, actually fun and not boring. They felt fun and like kind of at least sort of thought out and to some degree, and I hate that I'm saying this, but real, right? Like they felt more realized than any other character in this movie. To be fair, I think like the stars of this movie of emotional acting were Judy Greer and the younger brother. What was his name? I don't remember. I didn't care that much. I just have kid, old kid and young kid. Yeah, so so the younger (laughs) brother... To, to me, I'm like, he's kind of turning this performance. Like, he's doing a really good job of, like, being in this world. And the older brother, that actor. So I'm bad. so sorry. Such a bad performance. Like, it was not well done. And also, Judy Greer, their mom, like, seeing her act around these people, it was like, 
she is obviously fantastic, but who are they? And then the younger brother, any scene he has with literally anybody else, he's like the actor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like actually acting. And the older brother's like, yeah, whatever. Oh, I'm the teenager. And I'm like, I need you to take this day one improv back to (laughs) your improv. Like I need you to, I need you to take it right back. Like you, 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 <laughs> too much. It's too much. It was just bad. It was not well done. Mm-mm. And like, I have so many things that I like, there's just so much bad about this movie. Like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, the using product placement within the movie and then calling out product placement in the movie as a bad thing, like straight up Jurassic World, shut the fuck up. That's so boring. And like, because again, you're not doing it in any sort of comedic or intentional way. It just is. Like, you're not calling anything to it apart from just like, oh, what are you going to name it? The Verizon wireless, whatever, whatever. And then the next shot is her in a Mercedes commercial. In a fucking Mercedes commercial driving across the island in a Mercedes where the logo center frame, we pan out, back of the car, Mercedes, front of the car, logo center Inside frame. Inside of the like, car. What the fuck? Like, this movie literally is so silly. It's so it silly and bad. It tries to use capitalism as the cause of the problems and the solution to it, right? But, and but, so what bugged me about even like the premise of all of this, because like I said, I watched all this shit this weekend, right? Is seeing Hammond in two and three. Was he in both? Whatever. But he's just like super against the park opening. He's super against all this stuff, right? He's like, you know, we need to protect it, make sure people can't get there. And then the new CEO has this line right away where he says that Hammond entrusted his park to him personally, right? When this CEO guy is the biggest fucking capitalist that you have, like, ever fucking seen, right? He's got oil. He's got telecom. He's got big business. And he's also in the war business, too, right? And at the same time, they're also trying to put him into this spiritual person of color trope, right? Where he's like, how's the park doing? No, no, no. Not the numbers. Is everybody happy? You can see it in their eyes. Key to life is, or a happy life is accepting that you're not in control. Enough about money. Let's talk about something else, you know? And that doesn't make any sense. Like, all of these things. The, well, because then the whole the whole idea is that like, yeah, he's a rich guy, but he's very laissez-faire, like very casual, very whatever. And then that's called out later when he's like, why did you do this? He's like, you asked us to make a monster, a bigger, badder, scarier monster. He's like, I didn't ask you to make this. He's like, what did you think we were making? What did you think we were doing here? And that's supposed to try to be like the ethical resolve, like if you don't care. But at the same time, he can't be both. He can't be like big business and yogi on the beach like he's trying to be so distanced from capital yet he is in charge of the entire capital of this place so and doesn't call an alert doesn't fucking evacuate people right and, and that's the thing and again the whole lazy fail like he's supposed to be so casual and so calm but by by being casual and calm to again protect the sanctity of the park because the park is the only thing that really matters here he's just allowing more people to die mm-hmm like right? also they they still did not have good safety measures in place because clearly they couldn't get 20,000 people off the park or like you know off the island in even a couple of hours and yeah. i'm just like okay what the fuck did like how how logistically how how, how does this work and how yeah. is that possible yeah, yeah. absolutely 
also going to the crux of like our podcast which is nostalgia shit talking about like reboots and like why these stories are retold the fucking nostalgia bait of this movie of them finding the old park remnants and the skele- the skeletal buildings of like what was there and them walking around the the 90s jeeps and then the kid picking up the goggles and them turning on and him picking up that like last banner that said when the dinosaurs roamed the earth like why like the I original mean, I know, jeep <laughs> yeah i know why you're doing it but like i'm so fucking bored this is not this isn't entertaining or fun like to me in world memorabilia like when he caught like the shirt the t-shirt that jake johnson's wearing in the in the, in the movie mm-hmm. that moment where he's like don't you think that's insensitive that all these people died i'm like okay if we're gonna use like a little nostalgia trope here for this he's wearing a shirt from the old park it's in world merchandise of this cataclysmic event that happened previously where people were injured and hurt and it was a huge story i'm assuming in this world that's fine to me i was like yeah cool yeah. I like this as a piece of like you're tying the nostalgia into the story in a in a good way, but them just walking into the remnants of this old place for and they're there for like fucking fifteen minutes. I'm like, I don't need any of this. Well, Why Big are Brother we here? is like, look, I'm a car guy now. I'm a man, right? I do cars. Also, oh my god, don't show your feelings. Don't cry, little brother. We're VIPs. We don't need to listen to rules. And I'm just like this fucking kid. I fucking hate yeah, this. I fucking hate this. I hate this. It's so gross. It just, it it's, to me, I'm like, why was this the choice again? Like with the story, because I, I brought this up too. Some, I feel like sometimes I'm like such a harsh critic and I understand that like there's a lot of moving parts in a lot of these productions and like what was intended isn't necessarily what was put out, but their name's still on it. Like I get that. But this was the entire crux of the character. Like you wrote this character into the story for these things juxtaposed with Chris Pratt, who is, that version of toxic maleness amplified, right? So that's that's inherent to the narrative. That's part of the structure of the story. So this is not an accident, and it's not like you change the character last minute to fit. This character fits into the story really well because of how shitty he is and how shitty the narrative or what the narrative is supposed to be is. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, that is such a shitty choice. Like, that's not an accident, and that's not an, like mid-production change that's inherent to the narrative and i think that that is so toxic and gross it's garbage i feel like this is just hard to talk about because they were trying to have a conversation about ethics and capitalism again without knowing what ethics and capitalism are yeah truly so yeah it's just and trying to like give us this like feminine or this you know because whenever there's a woman on screen and she does something cool right then it's like oh she's feminist or oh she's strong right so like the slow kind of like shedding of um of claire's character yeah i don't know if you realize this but like she she starts off with like you know straight hair and like the whole suit and the thing and all that right and the belt and then she takes off the belt and she like ties her shirt up right and he's like what is that supposed to mean? And you're like, okay, well, she's trying to signal that like she's she's ready to get business and you're already saying like you suck and you can't do this. And yeah. so then slowly as she moves through this movie, she loses articles of clothing or like her skirt is shorter or there's a big slit. She's still in heels though. Also, her hair is not straight and it just becomes wavy and it becomes this thing. So then suddenly well, she's it's, capable. It's, well, because- like her capability stems from 
how she can shed her femininity and become more masculine. And only then is she allowed to make choices for herself. And it's is not that even what you're for herself. Yeah. It's not, it's not even for herself. It's for, it's for other people. But at the same time, it's like she is incapable. But the further we get into the movie, the more like uh, they're just making her look more rugged and less feminine. And therefore, she's like more capable, which is just, again, that sort of toxic masculine ideal being the crux of this narrative is, again, it's just a bad choice. And then, like, to further that every man in this story hates women, let's talk about the military guy who I don't fucking know his name, but, like, who literally has this, like, little, like, this mini monologue about how he rescued a wolf pup and says his wife came at him with a steak knife trying to kill him and the wolf took a chunk out of her arm. And then he's like, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. Did you put the, the wolf down? And he's like... No, of course not. We have a bond, right? Insinuating that, like, women are bad and that you can only trust animals and that, yeah. like, she probably got a steak dinner out of, like, the, the pup, I mean, the, the the wolf, right? But, like, we did not need any of the shit from his character. But, like, they just tried to go way down this rabbit hole and I was like, I don't need this. <laughs> yeah, again, again, why is that a part of the story? Why is that a part of this character's story? Like, okay, so you're trying to paint him as a villain because he is the villain so he's bad so what can we show as badness okay the story about like him hating his wife great but then you can't then make your protagonist the same way Mm -hmm. you can't like if you're trying to have a juxtaposition of good versus evil in this binary you can't have both of the characters have this same characteristic about hating women and have this prototypical target brand feminism uh, focused narrative that is so phony and bad. Like, it's just not... Mm. And the same thing with how this movie treats capitalism uh, and how that CEO yeah. is framed and all of well, that. Like, well, And they're, they're trying to say the, di- the distinction between the military dude and Owen is that one is pro-animal and the other one literally says, extinct animals have no rights, right? And you're like, yeah. okay. And then one is like, but I'm the alpha dog. And I'm just like, this is boring and I hate this. Yeah, it, and because that's not, it's like, I feel like they're not even pro-animals. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, fuck no. Like, but that's trying to be like, oh, we're the ethical ones because this like, no, you guys are also bad. Everyone's bad in this. I do want to say, so the guy who played Vince, his name in real life is Vincent, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Do you remember Men in Black? Yes. He was a, is that better? He was the bug guy. Oh, 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 okay. You, did, you see the, did you see the cell? I did not know. He was the bad guy in the cell. He so I will say this movie didn't do him justice. Uh he I think I think Vincent Oh, he was um Kingpin in Daredevil on Netflix. Yeah. Oh god, wow, what a transformation. Okay, yeah. yeah. I looked him up so, at Google and I was like, "Oh, like I'm just real bad with names. I'm sorry." Well, <laughs> well to no to me too cuz like when it first started, like first and foremost, I have a big old crush on Vincent D'Onofrio. I think he is so hot and like I think he's such a good actor. It's like a whole deal. But when I was watching this movie, initially I was like, that guy kind of, no, that's not him. Like, why would he be in this movie? There's no way. Like, whatever. And then I asked Eric, I was like, is that Vincent D'Onofrio? He's like, I think that's Vince. Like, that's crazy. And then I looked it up. It's like, yeah, no, that's that's him. And I was like, that's so wild. Like, I mean, obviously he's like unlikable and bad and a monster in this movie. But like, it also to me was a little, this, it just seems so out of place for him to be here. I, I mean, know. he's so much better than this. Like, okay, 
His yeah. fist <laughs> in Daredevil is just fucking incredible. He's such a good actor, and in this movie, I feel like he's not great. I mean, he wasn't given shit to work but, with. But so. uh, but again, the script is with a, with yeah. lines <laughs> about like his wife coming at him with a steak knife. I mean, there's really not much that you can do with that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not a good place to start or a good place to be. But yeah, I just I'm such a big fan. Um, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, what's up? Um, <laughs> I will also say that this movie was incredibly white and anytime there were characters of color on screen, they made sure to get them out of there as quickly as possible. Like the, like the, the, the other, uh, Raptor trainer who wasn't Owen when, what happened? Uh, what ha- where'd, where'd he go? Where'd he go? In, in that first scene when Vincent D'Onofrio and, and Chris Pratt are having the conversation across the pen, that guy, that character is a part of the conversation but at a certain point, they start walking. He's listening, and then it is immediately not listening and disappears. And then they go through the whole like walk, and then when they cross to the other side, he's suddenly back in the conversation, reacting as if he was there the entire time. And I'm like, okay, so first of all, just scene-wise, not even looking at characters of color versus non-characters of color, but like even within that choice, that was silly. That was bad. They didn't have any direction or know what they wanted to say. And they also didn't commit to anything. It was the most like non-committal wannabe commentary on society. And yeah. it was not clear at all. This is not what ethics is. This is no. not what what Jurassic Park is. Well, I mean, because Jurassic Park is so good and intentional. And this movie is the exact opposite. And I know that like it's an amusement park and there are stores and it's like shopping. But like. Jimmy Buffett's cameo is so silly. Him carrying the two margaritas and getting knocked over. And then the final scene, the T-Rex getting slammed into the Margaritaville. I'm like, no, you don't get to be funny. There are some moments of whimsy. And I'm like, the the, the, like eye fist bump between like the raptor and the T-Rex. Like, absolutely the fuck. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I will say my favorite character was the plesiosaur. Because I love, I when I was a kid, I did do an entire research project on plesiosaurs or plesiosaurs, whatever. I, I don't know the plural version of that, but when that, or is it a megalodon? I guess it's a megalodon. It's plesiosaurs a megalodon. is smaller, but water dinosaurs, I love. I'm going to put that in the most base level. Water dinosaurs, <laughs> I'm about, and I'm so into. So when it's like that whole scene, when it's like the great white shark being hung uh, above and then they're watching this humongous megalodon just like jump up i was just like oh oh my god like yeah, honestly great. get rid of the narrative put pov i'm in the audience watching this show that's all i want mm-hmm. it's literally all I- and then at the end when the ultimate hero the megalodon <laughs> reaches out and grabs the monster and like pulls him in i was like oh perfect I'm so yeah. happy that our our <laughs> our hero, the Megalodon, resurfaced quite literally for an end of action narrative. Like we just love we love conclusion and the Megalodon really really delivered in this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> I will also say that I would absolutely fuck up a baby dino petting zoo. Like that get if me that there. wasn't the cutest get thing. Get me there. Like Incredible. I could, I could hold Littlefoot. Hell yes. Yeah, that was one of the cutest things. Some of this world building I was into, like the tram that scales the side of the mountain. Like even the interactive as silly, exhibits. Like, the interactive and- exhibits. 
gorgeous like life-size models these holograms amazing like these infrastructures the design that went into it it all looked great even that downtown shopping center whatever like the downtown disney bullshit of this park looked great it looked the gorgeous tank the infrastructure for the megalodon that like went down so you could see it like that was incredible yeah incredible the design even those silly little pods like this the the orbs that you go into like oh i would at, that was also tight as an attraction, I'm like, these are cool. And the design, and it's it's well thought out. It's interesting. It's great. But then, like, this beautiful place with all of these really intentional and well thought out constructs is blanketed by this really shit story <laughs> like and that just sucks because there's like a lot of good like even some of the some of the moments of the nature of like when when we're seeing uh the the jeeps or, or the hummers whatever drive by and then you're seeing these people canoeing through this like wooded river with all of these other dinosaurs and like the canoeing is the attraction i'm like tell me more about that that's so much more interesting than this stupid fucking chris pratt story like i couldn't give less of a shit about him and what he wants in this story tell me about the park like the park seems great you guys really put a lot of work into this park and yeah. like i'm so interested like what the fuck Give me more of that, please. Mm -hmm. Here's another weird thing about this movie is when the military is like going after and they're in the control room and why? Okay, why are we monitoring their hearts on the screen? Why is there a heart monitor just so we can see them flatline? Like what how is that a necessary piece of visual information for the people in the control room of this world to see their heart beating? Like any of that information is good like just because you Weird. assume they're going to die and you want to see their heart stop. And like, obviously it's a visual clue for the audience to be like, wow, this is severe. But at the same time, I'm like, this isn't a fucking video game. Also, now is the time where you decide to show us, not tell us when the entire previous hour and 15 minutes is all exposition. Why now for this really bad choice? Like this isn't a fucking video game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, like, that, I was just like, that's bad whiny exposition too right like because i kind of felt like everybody was just kind of oh everything sucks and everything's hard and you don't uh, like yeah it felt very whiny and i was not here for it i was not here for any of this either the kiss between owens and claire ah. uh not only was that like sloppy and unearned but like Where'd that come from? That was for no reason. It was just to further or at least catalyze the they're going to get together by the end of this, right? Like, there was a staunch, like, will they, won't they at the beginning? They're establishing that. And then it's like, well, we need to make them kiss. It felt like they were just like, we'll make them kiss here. Why? This is a bad place to put a kiss. Like, there's it no... It was a bad place. It's yeah. not... It's like this... It's There wasn't a romantic moment. There wasn't a moment of like, wow, I think I like you. It was just like, people are dying. And he's like what yeah <laughs> what okay why why did he do that and then at the end too like just to shovel home this super shitty romance like when everyone's being picked up and the nephew's mom her sister show up and everyone's doing the family thing whatever they're showing us these moments of like families re getting back together and and this big like pro-nuclear family heteronormativity bullshit fucking sequence and then it's like a close-up shot of claire looking over at owen and then owen looking at her and i'm like this is a bad movie this is a bad movie this movie is so bad it's so bad and like 
then the parents come to pick up the kids together and so so that i'm also like they probably didn't get divorced because you know the, the oh, son bonding. already the son already like set up that they've gone through this song and dance before right yeah and so it's just like there was a lot of beats that didn't need to be there and I don't get it. it. The, I the don't fact, know. The the fact that there is that implication of like, oh, they're they're a family unit again, they're not getting divorced at the end was so just like, why is that necessary? Just like fucking let them get a divorce. Don't imply this bullshit that like this trauma brought them together and like they can be a family and they've like they've they've reconsidered uh what wasn't working and they know that like it's a true love thing. Shut the fuck up. Like just break up. Mm-hmm. Jesus, like it's not that hard. What the fuck? <laughs> like, like just I, do I, I it. just, it's, yeah, just and, just, and and again, it's it's just because the dad sucks. So like for real though, he, yeah, it's just poorly reiterating this idea of like you should probably stay together. You need to stay. Like no, nobody has to do anything. Let them break. Like why? Why are you shoving this cis normative heteronormative fucking nuclear family shit? Like stop like it's also not earned none of it's fucking earned so it's not earned and then it's just this like shitty binary fucking procreative propaganda it's so bleh and it's also like trying to reiterate these like really outdated ideas about marriage and about like you as a child right like because a big thing is it's like Oh, I'm so sad that mom and dad are getting divorced. Oh my God, who am I going to live with? The whole thing. Like, and that is like traumatizing. And that is, you know, that does really suck. I have been through it a lot. So I'm a bit desensitized. I think I have like some shit, like nine parents, because my my family is firm believers in divorce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, yeah, like, no shit. Cool. That's fine, you know, but like, these kinds of things always make me feel like when I was young, they would make me feel really shitty because it would just remind me that like, or just, it would just be like, oh, this isn't normal. Oh, this is bad. Like, oh, you're bad because this is happening, you know? And yeah. so it's just, it's so harmful to to just keep showing that and not in like a good constructive way or not a way that you can like, you know, as a young person watching this, because this is also like, this isn't just for adults. This is a, a film for young people, right? My nephews yeah. love this movie. They love Jurassic Park. They love all this stuff. And like, that's great. I'm so, so happy for them. But like, for people that don't come from heteronormative families, or that don't come from the nuclear family and all of that like it doesn't this like these kind of narratives are just so fucking old and just really have no place you know and they just work to further alienate the young people that they're supposed to be representing yeah they are such an easy pivot point narratively it's just Mm -hmm. like the easiest place to be like oh the parents are divorcing whatever like they're they're so unthoughtful Mm -hmm. like it's just what they've done this a million times okay do it just put that in there like this whole movie is so unthoughtful. This whole movie is some kind of like product placement packaging to just resell this idea of dinosaurs to kids. Whereas the first one was like an actual film. This one's barely a movie. Yeah. I mean, the fucking movie is just cut scenes of a video game about dinosaurs. It's a bad movie. I hate this movie. <laughs> so we did it. We, we made it. it through. We made it through. Jurassic Park. Eric, who was yes. it for? It was for everyone. Everyone should watch that movie. 
it's like honestly go watch it it's a good movie it's well done it's intentional it's thought out i think it's very thought-provoking i mean the more the more time i spend with it the more i'm like oh yeah these themes work so well like this this anti-capitalist idea i'm like it's, it's shrouded in so much intention and so much like thought-provoking nuance like it's just it's a good and and on top of that even if we're not looking at like the ethical structure of it it's just a good action movie it's compelling and fun and scary and like intense and like some of it's kind of silly like it 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 just works it works if you're not thinking about it it works if you're thinking about it it's just like yeah i think it's for everyone what do you think who do you think it's for i am going to say the same thing and i think it's also you know i think it's for everybody at whatever age group like that you are when you see this right and you can you can come back to this and see something new or like you know re-engage with this in a in a different way as you learn and grow and like maybe in like 20 years i'll rewatch this and i'll be like holy fuck right yeah you know it is for everybody everybody should go and rewatch this movie because yeah. it is really just such a treat and if you loved it when it came out or if you've never even seen it like literally it's just it's a really good movie it's just a really good movie. It's a really good movie. It's so well paced. It's so well shot. <sighs> There's so much intent behind all of the characters and behind all of the framing and the color. And, you know, they also like it was also just a really groundbreaking movie, too, in terms yes. of, I know we didn't really get into it, but like with how they did the special effects and, you know, the use of puppets and the use of some CG and the use of this and like they really went fucking hard for this movie and they did it in a way that like it is kind of timeless because like you can watch it and the cg is not distracting like it is with two and three right or even movies from like five years ago like because they did such a good job there's the dave was telling me um the scene where you were talking about where they're up in the uh the vents and the raptor like puts the head up and then she like falls and is like hanging that wasn't the girl that played lex that was the stunt double, and they superimposed her face onto the stunt double at that point. And, Whoa. like, because when you look at it, you only see her for, like, just a fraction of a second. But, like, yeah. so they went and they did a lot of the stuff, which was, like, just incredibly groundbreaking for 1993, you know? Dude, so good. this is so good. I love Jurassic okay. Park. Ugh. So I take it that uh, you liked it? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's stellar. <laughs> it's one of the one of the best movies the more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite movies. I think it's so good and so well done. Well crafted. I mean, and on top of that, it has all the nostalgia beats for me as like a kid watching Mr. DNA on the cartoon. Dino in DNA. The thing. And I'm like, yeah. amazing. <laughs> or like the fucking screensaver of uh, Nedry being like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like, like these little bits have been burned into my brain when I was like, Four, three years old or four years old the first when I, whatever the first time I watched it was in like 96 or whatever and those bits have never left my brain like mm-hmm. it's just a part of me since I was a little baby and so the more I watch it the more I'm just like oh yeah this is the fucking movie <laughs> yeah it's so nice uh, I also loved it and it's so nice to revisit something from childhood and not be like wow this is such a problematic piece of trash right yeah um, it's nice Especially being such a big part of, you know, your childhood, like, and like you said, like, these images are burned in your brain and everything, you know, just like, a lot of that just 
probably worked its way in and just reinforced itself into how you feel about capitalism today. I mean, you know? it, it, these it's are possible. the films that shaped us, and here we are. I'm here and, for it. And this movie had a lot to say behind the scenes. So now the complete opposite. Yes. <laughs> Jurassic World 2015 uh, was a new interesting or the same progressive regressive how has the story evolved with today's ideals i think structurally and in the world of jurassic park i thought that the that like the the base level plot the structure that gets you to this story was new and interesting like they're trying to revive it trying to change the name of the thing it's now called jurassic world it's a new park it's successful by all intents and purposes like it's cool I thought that was new and interesting. Everything else socially, ethically was regressive. I thought it literally like intentionally did the opposite of what the first one did so well. It missed almost every single mark. But but again, that's the thing is like, what was the mark? What was intended? Because if it, it feels like everything that they said was what they'd intended to do based on the structure and what we saw. So like, I'm not going to say they missed the mark because they may have hit the mark. <laughs> I think they <laughs> but, didn't know what the mark was. Maybe they I didn't think know they what they were the like, mark Ooh, was. Talk about ethics <laughs> yeah. and without understanding it. I think that this was new, like you said, in terms of world building. And I wanted to like, I was like, ooh, I would totally visit that. I would go give all the little baby dinosaurs hugs and so it would cute. just be I'm the obsessed. greatest day of my life. But... Every single line, every single character interaction, every single interaction with the dinosaurs themselves, like any anybody that meant anything to this story just felt incredibly regressive. And it felt like they were trying to have these conversations of, that they didn't know. Uh, they didn't know what they were talking about. They wanted to talk about the color yellow without ever having seen it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. Instead of letting this be its own story, they just, you know, picked the nostalgic beats that they wanted. It was just such a bad, jarring experience. Okay, so something just came up when you were talking there that I do want to address just before we, like, scoop past it and never talk about this movie ever again. Um, he was a trainer. He trained Velociraptors, right? Yes. He also trained Claire. Like, that was a part of his characteristic. He trained her to be the woman who he wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, her aesthetic matches him towards the it's, end, right? And exactly, she's rewarded I, for it. That's literally... So I know we talk kind of around that idea, but it just clicked with me that, like, his job was a trainer, and she was just, like, a velociraptor to him, so he could train her by the end would be the love interest which is why the kiss was so out of nowhere which is why all of these romantic beats didn't make sense for the two of them and in the end she still fell for him is because he's manipulating her to do what he wanted her to do fuck that that's so oh my god this movie hates women this movie, this movie hates women hates women <laughs> it's true um who is this for eric oh is it for toxic men toxic maskness toxic uh, it was that's it that's all i have to say about that that's exactly who this was for who did you oh, think it was for a hundred percent look yeah. i'm gonna agree with you because this whole thing was toxic men trying to pass as the good guys and as like you know the the moral high ground and everything and that's why the that military dude even existed was because 
if he didn't exist, there would be no example of male badness or male worseness, I'll say. Worseness, and so yeah. that was like, oh, well, at least he's not that guy. He cares about the, the <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, wow, this is this is so boring. But um, but yeah, it this movie serves in a way to validate toxic masculinity and yeah. control and domination over women, because, yeah. again, the dinosaurs are women again, right? So, like, uh, so, yeah. you know, Blue at the end, like, it's a woman that saves him and how you, he has how, to dominate women. What I had said earlier about, like, sort of, like, the cognizance and sort of, like, recognizing pronouns in the first movie, I feel like this movie was intentionally, like, doing that. And they made these dinosaurs way more cognizant with, like, again, the visual fist bump. And there's, like, a couple moments where it's, like, are you going to make these dinosaurs talk or like what? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so to me, I felt like in this one, if there was ever sort of any misidentifying pronouns, it felt very intentionally and slurish because of how toxic this movie was. It felt so like, I mean, this movie is just. Okay. So if you want to so go down that road. Cishet garbage. Because I did pay attention to that. The only person that misgenders the dinosaurs in this one is the military man. Right. So oh, okay. uh, everybody else recognizes and, you know, like knows that they are women, but <laughs> that's because they just know that they're dominating women, you know, that yeah. like, it, it's I guess not... that makes sense. And that's the choice. And like, yeah. And so again, that's a way of like, we respect them. Right. So on a subconscious level, we respect, we do this. Whereas in the first one, it was, um, I feel like it was more of a commentary on uh, gender characterization you know, yeah, and, yeah, it and was, associations, yeah, you know, with be- behavioral was, associations. It was way more that, yeah, and that's that's what I meant when I was saying it was more of like characterizing mannerisms or characterizing things as femme or mask, as opposed to like gendered or like genitalia based assumption, and more of a characteristic based like mm-hmm. s- segmenting, right? Like, oh my god, so fun, so funny. What a silly time. Uh, so, did you like it, Eric? No, it's so bad. It's so bad. I hated it. It's so bad. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and all the places that you listen. That helps us a lot. And we love you so, so much. We have a Patreon, and you can become a part of it and get cool things like bonus episodes and vote on upcoming content, and that is at patreon.com slash nostalgia. The links are also in the show notes uh, because we love you and want to make things easy for you. What's wild about the Patreon, too, is that with those bonus episodes, if you're a part of that club, those are conversations that nobody's ever gonna be hearing we just talked about wandavision yeah if you want to go hear us talk about wandavision or that ufo witness show or lord of the rings or like like just go it's really fun it's very loose we get very loose we get very chill on that show like tell us what you want to hear and you could i mean you could also do that on instagram twitter youtube and all of those places but you will officially get to vote if you're a patron that's true (laughs) patronize us in the good way in the good way yes please our artwork is by eric lefevre editing by danny barkley nostalgia is a production of the nostalgia network uh you can visit our website and thanks for listening and thank you eric thank you jess (laughs) remember stay cute and stay critical Bye. (laughs) bye 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 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the NostalgiaNetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, Show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls! What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number four, like how there's four of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.